This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. I am Eric Cohen and pleased to be joined as always by my co-host Shane Dale. Shane, we have a big show this week. Uh, our big guest, which we'll reveal in a few minutes. Uh, this, is a, this is a cool one and I'm really looking forward to talking to him. But the big news of the week, or actually big news of the day when we're recording this, is the time for the Territorial Cup this year, uh, what is that, that will be Friday, December 11th, I believe, has been announced. Tell us more about that. 5.30 p.m. start. So uh, normally there would be a little kind of a funky time because it's on a weekday and people are getting off work, but no fans this year, nor likely no fans or very limited amount of fans, probably not a big deal. So uh, the good news to, for me is it's going to be on ESPN televised nationally, and it's going to at least start while most people on the East Coast are still awake. So it'll still be relevant to them. It won't be an 8 p.m. start. Wasn't last year's game like 8 p.m., 7.30, 8 p.m.? It was, yeah, I believe so. I'm trying to tried to block out last year's game out of my mind, but it was really late. It was really late. And it was just a, yeah, it, it was, I think it was, it was like an 8 p.m. start. It was just an ugly game. You know, this will be likely the first Territorial Cup game that I haven't been to in person since 2000. So for me, watching it on TV is going to be a very weird event. Obviously, it's a COVID year. So, I mean, it is what it is. But one thing I want to mention, um, obviously, you know, football practice is is in full gear. We're going to talk more about the team with their first game against Utah coming up here. We're, what, two weeks away, two and a half weeks away at the time we record this. So it'd be really cool, regardless of how the team does this year, to just talk about games that are being played and and I know Shane and I have some cool plans that we're gonna we're gonna do some post-game shows which will be a lot of fun but one thing that I want to discuss briefly uh your book your latest book is coming out soon tell us about that appreciate that Eric your hundred dollars as uh on its way through PayPal. I mean I get a free copy now what's up with that you, you buy a copy with your hundred bucks dude there you go right uh, so yeah the Richard versus Graham uh, pre-orders available now uh here's the deal if you go straight to my publisher site, Mascot Books, and I have links on my social media channels, you can find it there. It'll be available to ship by mid-November. We're going to have a hard date on that by the end of this week. Uh, Amazon and the other retailers, unfortunately, it's going to take a little longer. You can pre-order off Amazon, but it's going to take you at least a couple months to get it. So if you want to get it in your hand, buy the Territorial Cup game. Go to Mascot Books. Again, you, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, follow me at ShaneDaleAZ or follow cat country AZ on Twitter, uh, go to wildcat country, find us on Facebook or Instagram. You'll have the links there as well. Uh, but yeah, excited about it. Uh, excited that we're going, number one, we're going to have a territorial cup game this year after it looked like we weren't going to have one. And number two, that the book will be available, uh, in, and will be in your hands if you want it by the game this year as well. And, you know, for those of us who don't usually read books and I probably shouldn't admit that, how many pages is this thing going to be? Oh, uh, between 260, 270. But that includes a lot of photos. 270 of, pages. Well, a lot of photos. we got like about 100 photos for this book. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do that I didn't do uh, the last book. I didn't get a lot of photos for, for my first one on the on the rivalry. So this one, I found some talented uh, photographers who were uh, willing to uh, lend me some photos uh, and 
some really good ones that I think help tell the story as well. So, well, we're going to have we're going to have a a player who you wrote about in your first book uh, on tonight's show, and I'm really excited for this one. Willie Tuitama, Wildcat quarterback from 2005 to 2008, going to join us here, and he was there at the height of the Mike Stoops era when now. I went. I I started at U of A in the fall of 2001. John Makovic was just hired. You were there already, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a, just a disaster. The players revolted. No three. Mike Stoops was brought in in 04. and I believe at least in my time as a, as a Wildcat fan, there has been no greater hyped quarterback coming into a season than Willie Tuitama his freshman year. It was like this guy's going to come in. And change the, the the course of the program. So really looking forward to uh, to talking with him. We're gonna, I want to talk to you about the Mike Stoops era, though, Shane. I look at it as a huge success, especially in hindsight, just based on the talent that Stoops brought in. But I feel like Wildcat fans still look at it as a disappointment. Is that fair to Mike Stoops? No, I don't think it's fair to Mike Stoops at all. I think the Mike Stoops era in Tucson is a textbook example of how to very slowly yet methodically turn around a dumpster fire of a program because that is what it was when Mike Stoops took over. Uh, Arizona was the worst team in the Pac-10, no facilities, very few recruiting pipelines. It was an ugly situation all around, and it took Mike Stoops a while. The first two years were rough. You know, the big win over ASU his first year, that was a highlight, but they were not good the first couple of years. That second couple of years, they almost got over the hump. They were really one win over ASU away from getting back to a bowl game. And then finally that fifth year in 08, they got over the hump. Willie Tuitama was the quarterback, a senior that year, led Arizona to some big wins, including uh, that win over ASU to get to the Las Vegas bowl and win that game, ending a decade of frustration really, because it had been a decade since Arizona got to a bowl game. So I think Mike Stoops did a heck of a job overall. I know his tenure there ended poorly and that's why he was fired midway through the 2011 season. And maybe that was justified. But I think overall, when you consider what Mike Stoops had at his disposal, or more accurately, what he did not have at his disposal, I think the Mike Stoops era in Tucson was a success overall. I give him like a solid B plus for his job there. I would too. I think the talent, as I said, that he brought in, and and we'll kind of talk about that with Willie. It go over some of the you know the players that he played with, and uh, just you know the guys that you kind of forget about that you once you hear their names you're like oh yeah that guy was awesome and uh that's that's one thing that that Stoops you know brought in the NFL talent brought in Rob Gronkowski you know brought in you know Jerron Kreiner Brooks Reed Eben Britton Earl Mitchell Antoine Quezon I mean guys that played in the league for a long period of time and we really aren't seeing that these days with Wildcat football but the one thing that that about Stoops that I won't forget he beat big teams you know, Willie's freshman year in 05, he beat UCLA, who was a top 10 team. 06, it was Cal, once again, homecoming game. Uh, beat them, they were in the top 10. 07, it was a Thursday night game against Oregon. And right. then 08, not only did he beat ASU for the second time in the Stoops era, he won in 04 as well, first time during Willie's years, but then he went to uh, Las, the Las Vegas Bowl and beat a ranked BYU team, which was a pretty good squad right there. So this was, you know, Mike Stoops had a chance, you know, he beat some really good teams. Obviously, 09 with Nick Foles, we remember the Oregon game uh, where the fans rushed the field, but he also beat USC, beat ASU and USC that year. So, uh, I mean, he, that was the really, other than 2014, I can't think of a year, of a group of years 
where the Wildcats were relevant other than they were those that period of time under Mike Stoops. Yeah, and they recruited better than they probably should have as well. Some of those recruiting classes were, were very good, uh, all, you know, relatively speaking, considering uh, Arizona's track record. The Mike Stoops hire as well, and I actually happened to be there for his uh, introductory press conference I, my last year at the hmm. – uh, the Daily Wildcat. Yeah, really? I happened to be there for his intro. He got emotional talking about some of his guys he, left, he was leaving behind at Oklahoma. And uh, uh, yeah, but I I think overall, and I think Arizona's the kind of football program. I'm going to actually make a parallel with ASU here. I think, look at ASU basketball. They had to take a chance on a guy like Bobby Hurley, who was young and kind of unestablished, but had a couple of good years. They had the roll of dice because ASU's basketball program just isn't well-known, well-renowned nationally. It just isn't. And it's paid off for them to this point. I think Arizona did the same thing with Mike Stoops. And I think that, that Arizona is the kind of pro- program, the kind of football program, where you have to take a chance on a younger guy, either a guy with little head coaching experience or no head coaching experience, who's hungry to prove himself, as opposed to guys who just got fired from their last job. Now, I think Rich Rodriguez did overall did a decent job at Arizona as well. But the last two coaches at Arizona – uh, Rich Rodriguez and Kevin Sumlin both got fired from their last jobs. I'd like to see whenever Arizona makes another head coaching hire, whenever the Sumlin era is over, whether it's after this season or a couple of years out, assuming that someone doesn't turn things around magically over the next couple of years, I would like Arizona to hire a guy like Mike Stoops, who either has been a fantastic offensive or defensive coordinator or has coached a, a smaller program to success in in just a couple of years. That's what I'd like to see. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. When you look at when you look at what Stoops' coaching tree looks like, I mean, you had future head coaches Seth Luttrell, I believe North Texas, Dana Dimmel. I think he's at UTEP now. You have obviously Mark Stoops, his brothers at Kentucky, Sonny Dykes uh, now yep. at SMU, but he's been Louisiana Tech. He's been at Cal, and you know, obviously now SMU. So, I mean, and I'm probably forgetting other guys. Mike Canales was on his staff. He he was, uh, I think, an interim coach at one point. Tim Kish, obviously, was interim after uh, yep. Stoops, you know, was fired in 2011. That's a pretty impressive coaching tree that we really haven't seen since. And, and I think Mike Stoops is criminally underrated. And I'll tell you what, Shane, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further. Let's say the Sumlin era doesn't work out in a few years. Mike Stoops is a guy I would give a call to. It sounds crazy, but he has the connections where he could bring, you know, a big name staff there, at least notable people there. I I mean, I know Wildcat fans probably wouldn't be thrilled, but Stoops can recruit. I mean, am I wrong that that he's a guy where I would think about it? Is it is that a crazy thought? No, it's not crazy. It wouldn't be at the top of my list just because I'd rather get someone a little bit younger. But there is some precedent for that. You look at Mac Brown at North Carolina yeah. and, and what he's done this year, you know, last weekend, notwithstanding uh, he's done some good things and he's got that, that connection and he loves the program. So uh, that would not be my first choice, but would I consider it? Yeah, probably I would. Yeah. yeah but I would, I mean, you got to remember that, that the Wildcats, if there is a, a head coaching vacancy in the next several years, and, and we hope that there isn't, but let's say that there is, I mean, you're not going to have a, a huge list of suitors, you know, big names, and even if you do, do you really want them? Because they're retreads. You know, you're, you're getting we, – and we've seen how retreads between Makovic, um, Rich Rod, who had a you know moderately successful tenure, and someone thus far has not been very good. Um, that's generally not a formula. The, the most successful tenure, I think, since this century, uh, you know, since 2000, has been Mike Stoops' tenure. Is that wrong? You know, you know what's crazy to think about, Erica? It, you think about some what-ifs, and Arizona football has a lot of them. And for me, one of the biggest ones is – 
What if Rob Gronkowski had been healthy in 2009? What if Nick Foles had been able to throw to Rob Gronkowski on top on top of the other fantastic receivers he had at his disposal that year? Arizona came very close to going to the Rose Bowl that year and beating Oregon. They lost that game in double overtime, the infamous pre-field oh. storming situation and all yeah. that. But their offense was very good that year, and their defense was pretty good too. Imagine if they had Rob Gronkowski on top of that, and then not only for that season, but what would that have meant for Arizona going forward? Say Arizona went to the Rose Bowl that year. Would Mike Stoops have uh, stayed at Arizona longer? Would that have changed things? Would that have improved recruiting? Now, it's just crazy to think about. You know, It's the whole butterfly effect, what of this, what of that. But that to me, Rob Gronkowski missing 2009 is one of the b- biggest what-ifs in Arizona football history. And I got to wonder if Mike Stoops' tenure at Arizona – would have uh, gone differently the last couple of years if he had been able to play that season. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, you know, the other thing about Stoops' tenure is he got wiped out. I, I mean, they won the they won the bowl game. We'll talk about it with Willie, the Las Vegas Bowl in two thousand eight. They got wiped out in that Holiday Bowl in 09, which was an utter embarrassment. I was there. I left in the third quarter. Nebraska, 33 to nothing. It was just horrendous. Then they got crushed by Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl. The following year with, uh, I think, believe that was Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman. That, that was a good Oklahoma State team, but, I mean, the Wildcats weren't even competitive. And I think that was kind of a problem with the Stoops teams is that, you know, they didn't really, outside of that Vegas Bowl, they didn't really take the bowl game seriously. Yeah, I think they peaked in 2010 when they beat Iowa. They had the big home win over Iowa. And they started the season 7-1. and one. They were ranked in the top 10. And then the wheels came off. They lost their last five games. Of course, that included that double OT loss to ASU. And then it, it really transferred over to next season. And they started, I think, one in five. And then Mike Stoops was gone. So well, you know, well, it, kind of, it, it, it kind of fizzled out at that point. Well, you know, you, you think about it. I mean, you, you mentioned 2010. You're right. They beat Toledo. They beat the Citadel. They beat number nine, Iowa. They beat Cal. They were 4-0, ranked number nine going into – or uh, yeah, they were ranked number nine going into Oregon State. On October 9th of 2010, and a sellout crowded at Arizona Stadium, and they lost. Now they ended up beating Washington State, Washington, and UCLA right after that, but then lost their last five, as you said, uh, including the uh, worst game of my life, the uh, uh, blocked extra points uh, game against ASU, and then obviously that bowl game against Oklahoma State where they were non competitive, and then Stoops could never recover after that. But imagine if they had beaten Oregon State. And they had started the season, you know, you're looking at 8-0 to start the season. I mean, going into Stanford, Andrew Luck, uh, primetime ABC game, you know, you they could have been ranked in the top five. I mean, that could have changed the just a simple game like that at Oregon State. I'm just playing hindsight, and I know we can play the what-if game a lot. I just was looking at that schedule, and I remember that game, and just it's just one of those games you're like, you shouldn't lose this. You shouldn't lose to to the Rogers brothers, Jacquez and James at Oregon State. Like, come on. That was yeah. that was a bad one. But I do I do think that if I remember right, Arizona's fo- Arizona football's recruiting toward the end of the Stoops era sort of leveled off as well. And I think yeah. that had something to do with it. I think that peaked kind of his fourth or third or fourth year in, and they got a lot of talented guys, like you mentioned, who went on to play in the NFL. And they really recruited, I think, higher than they than you know what the the prestige of the program, to be honest, but it sort of came off toward the end. And I think the the overall record definitely reflected that. But I, I want to say one last thing about the Mike Stoops tenure. Second game of uh, 2010, September 11th, 2010. I was, I was at this one, the Citadel played at Arizona stadium. The attendance was listed at 54,814. If, if there were, if there were fans allowed at the games this year in Tucson, I'm not sure two home games combined would be that. 
Isn't that and crazy? That, to think about? Yeah, that's crazy. It, it, that's, that's crazy. For the Citadel. The it's, Citadel. It's, unfath- it's unfathomable. This, I mean, the, the coronavirus notwithstanding, obviously, it's unfathomable to think that there would be 40,000 fans for that game, uh, for that kind of game against the uh, Citadel or, or, or that kind of opponent right now. The the Wildcats, the last five games that Arizona played in 2010, then we'll, then we'll move along, were on ABC, ABC, ESPN, ESPN, and ESPN. I mean, look at that exposure, and the Wildcats won 0-5 in those games, unfortunately. So, uh, and, and other than 2014 uh, with Rich Rod, the program hasn't been the same since. I miss the Stoops days. I kind of wish there was a, a second coming at some point. I like Mike Stoops. It would be great to have him on the podcast at some point. I think – He's at where now, Shane, Alabama, working under Saban? Yep, yep, at Alabama right now. Yeah, we'd love to have him on. He came on a couple of years ago, the original version of this podcast, and talked about uh, before the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, some of the guys that he coached, uh, Nick Foles, Rob Gronkowski, Marquise Flowers, who were all about to play in that game. Uh, he was very generous with his time. We'd love to have him on again when he gets the opportunity. Well, looking forward to talking to Willie Tuitama. A lot of good memories from when you and I really were a little bit younger. And and just, you know, we went to the games. Well, not that I still don't go to the games, but just the Tuitama days. We were in our 20s, and it was just, it was fun being an Arizona football fan. And not that it isn't now, but it was a lot more fun being a Wildcat football fan. So really looking forward to talking to him. Here's Willie Tuitama here on Wildcat Country. You know, Shane, on Wildcat Country, we have the opportunity to interview a lot of a lot of guests. But of all the players that we've interviewed, I'm trying to think of the most hyped before they ever actually played it down at U of A. And and here's here's one that I would put towards the top of my list, and, and he definitely lived up to it. Willie Tuitama, quarterback from 05 to 08 of the Wildcat football team, joining us here on Wildcat Country. Glad to have you, most importantly. And and first of all, so. You haven't played yet, but yet everybody's talking about you being the savior of the Wildcat football program back in 05. Did you feel the pressure back then, or were you like, hey, I'm cool, I'm a freshman, I'm just going to do my thing? Yeah, um, I really didn't feel any pressure. I mean, people started talking about it, but, I mean, you can say whatever you want as long as I go out there and play, though, you know? I mean, uh, so it was one of those things where, I mean, people talk, and it was one of those things where I had to go prove myself, you know? So I was just trying to – trying to do myself proud and try to make my family proud. And hopefully I did, you know, so. So Willie, you uh, were a four-year starter, or at least very close to it. I know you had some injuries there, but Mm -hmm. really the last one, anywhere anywhere close to being a four-year starter at quarterback at Arizona. Now that you've had some time to reflect on your career at Arizona, how do you look back at it? Do you look back as a success, as a mixed bag? What are your thoughts? Uh, When I look back, man, I mean, not, not many guys have the opportunity to play for four years, you know, I mean, especially at the quarterback position, just because of what, what goes into it and, and all that. So, I mean, looking back besides the injuries, um, I mean, which anyone who's had one will, will, will always say that they wish that they didn't have that. Right. But besides that, um, I really, I mean, shoot, man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I met, so many good guys along the way, you know, guys that I still keep in touch with and uh, probably wouldn't change anything. I'm sure we'll get into some specific games you played here in just a minute. Uh, I just want to ask you about your thoughts on the Mike Stoops era overall, because it seems like Coach Stoops and the staff and athletes like you, he brought in very methodically turned around a program that was at the very bottom of the Pac-10 
uh, to one that was in the top half of the conference, at least by the time that you left. And, and, you, and you, you're the guy that got them back to a bowl game and really got Arizona back to being relevant. I think Wildcat fans kind of look at that era, that Mike Stoops era with mixed feelings. How do you look at it? And how do you think Wildcat fans should look at Coach Stoops' time in Tucson? I mean, I think I think the one thing that that you could look at for sure is that Coach Stoops and the staff that he had with him, they knew how to recruit. I mean, we had some classes, you know, top 40 classes that we had no business being top 40, you know, like coming off a three and eight record or whatever it was. I mean, but these guys went out and got guys. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I think I definitely remember my class um, and we had a lot of top guys, you know, um, Mike Thomas, you had Adrian McCovey, you had Evan Britton, you you know, you had guys coming in that that kind of carried some weight to their name and I mean the culture that they set there you know uh coach Ed who's our strength and conditioning coach I mean that guy he he alone changed the program you know just by getting us you know in there working and kind of changed changed our mentality and everything um because that's the guy that you see every day you know uh going through the off season and and all that you know you you see your position coaches here and there, you know, um, especially during the season and all that. But your strength coach, you're with him all the time, all year round. And uh, it really starts there. Let's talk about some of the memorable games and, and two that stand out to me are the first two homecoming games that you played in 2005 against UCLA. I remember being at that one. You guys blew out a top 10 UCLA team. Then the next year, a top 10 ranked Cal team came in. And, uh, I, you know, the, the game is most known for the Antoine case on interception down the sideline and, mm-hmm. and, and taking it towards the, uh, the north end zone there. But, you know, what, what games kind of stand out to you? Are those two of them? And, and obviously the Las Vegas Bowl, I think, would probably come to mind as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, UCLA game, I'll never forget that. Just my first start at home, you know, and knowing that I'm the guy and going in homecoming and it's a top 10 team. And our very first play, we do a play action boot throw back to Mike Bell. And we got 60 yards off the jump, you know. And, uh, I mean, just the way that that game went, we I think we ran for like 220-some yards. Um, our defense played lights out. I mean, when you're playing a team that has all those types of guys and they're a top, top 10 team and you hold them to 14 points, I mean, that's part of the reason that the whole Stoops area as well um, – man, we play defense. You know, we had guys that flew around and that that's what always gave us a chance to win. So. And then, and then you know, let's, let's talk about that bowl game because, you know, Shane and I have talked about it off the air and, and even on the air during, on the show about what that, you know, what that game meant to all of us because the Wildcats hadn't won a bowl game in 10 years and hadn't been to a bowl game in 10 years. Right. And your senior year, your last game had to be one of your most satisfying. Definitely. Um, it was one of those games where you go in knowing the history. It's the first time in 10 years. That's that's all everybody talked about, you know, the whole two weeks leading up to the game. Um, but then you get there and you realize yourself, like, this is your last game as well, you know. So um, we had a really good senior class and, and we were all really, really tight and really close. And we all went through the grind together, you know, and um, that last game really showed. I mean, we flew around, guys were just playing lights out, you know, and um, that was a really good BYU team too. I mean, they had a lot of talent. They they had guys that went on and played in the league, you know, and 
really did a lot. But that game was was very huge for us. I think it was huge for the program um, just to not only finally get to a bowl game, but to win the bowl game. Um, yeah. That definitely says something, too. So. Willie, the, the game before that, uh, that got you guys to the Las Vegas Bowl, that went over ASU, and I'm sure that was I mean, that was a, a, like a big cathartic release, I think. And, and just to be honest with you, that was my favorite Territorial Cup game ever because I happened to be there. It's the first one I saw in person, Arizona mm. win. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and so it, I only meant about like four. Come on, Shane. Come the on. Three, <laughs> the first three I saw ASU win and then the fourth one. But I went with an ASU fan, so it was it was great. It was great to have those bragging mm. rights. But uh, – that second half, you know, the floodgates opened. I remember uh, Mike Thomas's punt return. Uh, right. Feel uh, how good did that feel to finally get over the hump and beat ASU? Especially because I know that you missed at least part of a couple games due to injury. Yeah, that uh, that was probably one of the most satisfying wins, just because you know how big that rivalry is, you know, yeah. and um, just hearing it for three, four years that you haven't won and myself being knocked out of two of the games, you know, um, that, that, that's definitely something that always stuck with me. And then my junior year, we didn't get it done. And so to be able to do it and to keep them out of a bowl game as well and secure us a spot was huge, you know, so there was a lot of different things that went into it, but, um, that was definitely one of the more satisfying wins of my career. You and Rudy Carpenter went, I mean, you didn't play against each other necessarily, but you sort of went head to head four mm-hmm. straight years because he was there at the same time that you were. Did you ever have a, like a relationship with him? Talk to him at all? Or uh, what? Yeah, we actually, uh, we went to a couple camps together while we were still in college and, um, you know, we talked, we didn't really, you know, conversate too much. We're definitely two, two different types of people. I mean, he's one that will go and say whatever he whatever he wants to say, whatever he's, you know, uh, whatever's on his mind. And I'm kind of more humble and laid back and a little bit more reserved, you know? So we were a little different in that sense. And, uh, it was actually funny. I actually watched, I got the chance to watch the, the ASU game from my senior year for the first time, uh, the live broadcast of it. And it was kind of cool to hear, you know, the guys talking and just kind of hearing, what they thought of myself or Rudy, you know, and all mm-hmm. that. So that was kind of cool to hear. Well, Willie Tuitama joining us here on Wildcat Country. That game was was an all-timers. I think it was 10-7 at halftime, and ASU was winning, and you're like, oh, here we go again. And then you guys led that furious comeback, as Shane said. And it was just – it was like a it's like a release at the end of the game, at least in the stands. It was just that everybody was like, finally, we got this this monkey off this football team's back, and you could see things that were – brightening up but one thing that was kind of a bummer about that season was Rob Gronkowski who you had for the two years uh you know b- before that didn't really get a chance to play or was that was he no so Shane, Gronk, that was, Gronk was there my my junior and senior, junior, senior was, yeah was his right. freshman sophomore and then he sat out the following year right. so so having Gronk so Gronk's last game was the Vegas Bowl I believe is that right it was your yeah. last game as well what was it like playing with a guy? I mean, you, he, he dominated in college, obviously could go down as one of the greatest tight ends of all time to play in the NFL. Did you know this guy was going to be an absolute star from day one? Um, it was one of those guys where I remember when he came on his recruiting visit and I met him. And then when he comes back and our first summer, um, when guys walk into the weight room, you know, that's why most guys redshirt is because they need that year, right? To, develop their body or whatever else. And Gronk came in and you're looking at him like, Oh man, like this dude's already, you know, six, six, two seventy, and he's ripped, you know, and he's, and it's just one of those things where 
you're looking at him, you're like, but he's so goofy, you know? And <laughs> like, especially early, you know, he would be running routes and just kind of trip over himself, you know? And, um, but it was one of those things where once you saw him in the game and guys just bouncing off him and him just having this ridiculous ability to be so big and, and have such great ball skills, you know, I mean, that was one thing that, that, that really stood out is that, you know, he'll be running downfield and, you know, a big guy like that and go make a great back shoulder catch or kind of whatever it was. And you're just like, Oh man, like, okay, this guy could play, you know? Yeah, he was, uh, he was just awesome to watch. And you guys, I mean, I think there was a game that was against Washington. I think it was a bad Washington team and you guys just absolutely annihilated them. And I think he had multiple touchdowns from you. I don't remember. It must've been, Oh, he must've been a freshman. Must have been seven. It was oh seven. We played at UW. We won forty eight forty one. It was a shootout. Then it, no, then it was the next year in Tucson. Oh and yeah, think, yeah. And he had like a middle screen that yeah. he took to the house, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You because uh, I think you set it was one of the uh, the second highest uh, all time U of A single game passing mark in the oh seven game in Washington, I believe. Right? Yes. You had over five hundred yards. Uh, talk about when Sonny Dykes came in and was your OC now, Sonny Dykes obviously has been a head coach after that. He went to, obviously it was at Cal and then, and then it, uh, where's he? SMU now, I yeah, believe. SMU. Yeah. So it seemed like the offense really gained another dynamic once he got there in 07. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was, um, it was one of those things where our first two years with Mike Canales, um, who is really one of the reasons why I went to U of A was because of him. Um, and, you know, we had a West Coast offense where we're using more fullback and definitely tight ends and double tights, you know, and things like that. And then when Sonny comes in, he's trying to run that same system with the guys that we have or and run a spread system. Right. So it's kind of I think it took us a couple games to kind of figure it out of how we were going to use it and how we were going to adapt to the personnel that we had. Um, and I think if you go back and look at it, our junior year, we threw the ball a lot more. My senior year, we ran the ball a lot more and it was a great balance because that was the personnel that we had still, you know, we still had fullbacks like Chris Gronkowski and Brandon Lopez and guys like that. And, um, when you got a tight end like Gronk, you know, you got to find a way to get him on the field and get him in sets where he'll have favorable matchups, you know? So I thought Sonny did a great job of coming in and using his system and, what he knows works, but adjusting it with the personnel that we had, because we definitely didn't have what he was used to. I know I'm going out of order here, but back in 06, you guys made a trip to Baton Rouge to play LSU. Mm -hmm. And I know that was an especially painful game for you. Um, And and I know that kind of, or at least what I assumed and what I had heard, that kind of affected you your sophomore year. You took a big hit. I think it was was Tyson Jackson that got you pretty good. Yeah, it was actually on the very first play of the game. We did a naked boot. Um, rolling out to the right. And I remember I hit um, step toe. And then when I got hit, my head hit the ground. And I remember I came up a little dizzy. I didn't say anything to anyone. Um, and then I think it was like in the third quarter, um, coach sent in a play and I was looking at the wristband. I think I called a Pop Warner play. And some of the guys were like, what the hell? you know? And uh, kind of went to the sideline and said, hey, coach, I think you got to pull Tui out. That was definitely a game um, that I've that I've tried to forget, you know, but yeah. But it was a great experience, too, you know, going in and seeing, um, you know, like us rolling in on the buses and you have grandparents that are throwing balls of raw meat at your bus and it's sticking on the window, you know, and and like everyone's just 
yelling tiger meat, you know, and uh, that was definitely a good experience. That sounds like uh, how a lot of UA players got treated in Tempe over the years as well. But well, let me ask you about a couple other guys you played with at Arizona, starting with Mike Thomas, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the history of the program. Uh, what was it like playing with him? And then on top of that, I remember the very last play of the Las Vegas Bowl, you, know, you could have just taken a knee, but you threw a little screen pass to Thomas to make sure he broke Derek Hagan's Pac-10 receptions record. So maybe just talk about what it was like playing with him and then what, what the plan was to get him that record. Mike T was awesome. Um, we got to work a lot together, um, especially in the summer and things like that. And Mike was one of those guys that, you know, you see him and he's, he's about five, eight, five, nine, but he's also about 200 pounds, you know? So, you know, I mean, he's not just a little guy. He's great ball skills. He could run any route. He could play in the slot. He could play outside. And, um, he, I mean, Mike really cemented himself in the, like not only at U of A, but in the pack 10 at the time, you know? So, um, Mike was great. And for, for him to get that record in the Vegas bowl was very well deserving. Um, you know, it was one of those things where I always wish that we could have got it to him during the game, you know, yeah. instead of the very yeah. last play of the game. But he's definitely someone that was very deserving of that record and to beat someone from ASU record, right? Which, yeah. so why not? <laughs> what, I just, I'm just curious, what was the conversation like? Because you guys could have just taken a knee, but like, was there a conversation in the huddle? Was it you or was it a, a coach that said, hey, we got to get Mike the record? I remember, I remember, um, cause I, I don't know if Coach Stoops didn't realize it or, um, but I remember we, uh, we took a knee first. Um, we took a knee and then we ended up calling timeout. And then after the timeout is when we came out and uh, threw the bubble to Mike. But, um, I'm pretty sure one of the coaches on the sideline went up to him cause I remember Mike in the huddle. He just kind of was like, damn, Tui, I'm not going to get it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, very next play. We made sure he got it. So nice. <laughs> let me ask you about another guy you, you played with. Uh, well, more or less briefly, a guy named Nick Foles, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, obviously, you know, one, along with you, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the program. Uh, what was your relationship like with him? I know he, he transferred from Michigan State. Right. Did you play a role in that? And what was what was it like being his teammate for for that year? Yeah, um, for that year, it was great. I mean, it was one of those things where I so saw it was myself. You had myself, Matt Scott, Bryson, Bernie, and Nick. Yep. And a guy named John Sanders, who was one of our walk-on QBs from the Phoenix area. Um, and we had a great QB room. And it was it was really good to see. You know, you had guys that, that supported each other. Um, you know, definitely different styles with Matt there. Because myself, Bryson, and Nick were kind of all very similar in the sense of pure pocket passers. And then you had Matt, who was completely different, you know. Nick was always great, man. Um, he He spent a lot of time with the scout team when I was there because he was, he had just transferred, you know, and all that. So um, like, I know he did a great job of getting our defense ready. And that was probably one of the reasons why our defense was so good that year is because they went up against Nick all throughout the week in scout, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. So, and just watching Nick and, you know, I've been rooting for the bears the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. <laughs> You uh, you finished uh, right now your second all time in career passing yards at U of A, tied with Nick Foles for career touchdown passes. What are you most proud of that you did in your four years at U of A? Um, none of the records, to be honest. Just uh, I think the thing I'm most happy about is senior year beating ASU, and then not only getting to the bowl game but winning the bowl game. And I mean, just to be able to end my career like that was 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 very nice. You know, it's one of those things where that's the way that you want to go out and you want to leave on a high note. And we were able to do that. 
So, Lee, what are you up to these days? Uh, what's what keeps you busy? Um, so, living in San Diego, just I mean, lately I've been playing a lot of golf. I've been trying to get good. You, you know? shoot? What's your handicap? Uh, I don't know what my handicap is. I've been shooting in the mid eighties. Better than me. Yeah, good uh, for you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, doing a lot of that, hitting the beach, and um, waiting. Uh, my job got got put on hold with COVID and everything. So, mm. hopefully, we'll get back in the beginning of the year next year. Tell me about the fan support for Arizona football when you were there, Willie, because I, I always, I've told Eric, you know, the men's basketball team, you know, has some of the best fans in, in the country, but football, it kind of, there's some ebbs and flows to it. What was the support of the fans like around the time you got there when the program still wasn't very good till the end when, you know, fans were rushing the field after you beat ASU and then rushing the field after you won the Las Vegas Bowl? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I definitely saw a difference from when I first got there to when I was gone. I mean, just, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's one of, I mean, you can't expect the fans to, to always show up if, if you're losing, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Right. And so for us to be able to have a winning season, my senior year and, you know, be in these big games and have games that, that, that really meant something, you know, um, I think the fans felt that too. And they showed up, you know, and I mean, that ASU game was awesome. I just remember, you know, fans going crazy, rushing the field after. I mean, that's that's really one thing I, that's that's kind of neat is fans rushed the field my freshman year for the UCLA game. That's right. Sophomore year for the Cal game, junior year for the Oregon game, and then <laughs> senior year for the ASU game plus the bowl game. That's right. We didn't even talk about Oregon 2007. Shane and I were talking about that earlier today. Uh, that Thursday night game, I, I forgot mm-hmm. about it now, but they were ranked number two. And I mean, you guys knocked off a top ten team each of your first three years at home. You guys were yeah, the we giant did. killers. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, it was one of those things where it was very dangerous to come to us. I don't know if it was October or November. November, um, I believe it was yeah. November for all three of them. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just you know, we always pulled out a win that apparently we weren't supposed to win, you know, but um, we found a way to get one. And I remember. Uh, that Oregon game is Antoine went off, you know, yep. he, he had a pick six, he had a punt return to the house. Um, Mike Thomas took a little bubble screen to the house for 50 plus another one down the, down the right sideline. I remember that. Um, but we really had some good defense, you know, and that's, that's the reason that we won a lot of those big games, you know, cause we're going against a lot of big time players and big time offenses and um, coach Mike and coach Mark, you know, we're, we're always able to, put together some really good defensive game plans. Non-football question for you here, and and this may not go anywhere, but uh, you were there at the same time as kind of Lute Olson's final years at at U of A. Did you ever interact with him? And if so, do you have a good Lute story for us? Um, I talked to Lute often. Um, He would always be in the training room, you know, and so he would come up and just start asking me about who we're playing next week and what do they run, you know, and he was just kind of making sure that I was doing my homework too, you know, and that was – that was kind of some of the best memories I have, you know, just talking in the training room, like, like he's just another guy and he was just kind of making sure that I was studying on my opponent and things like that. So you're just kind of coming in as a fan then chatting with you guys, getting mm-hmm. some inside info there. Yeah, for sure. My, my last question for you, Willie, and we really appreciate you uh, joining us for this, uh, for this podcast. Uh, do you keep up with Arizona football? Uh, do you still watch the team? And, and, and if so, has it been a little, uh, difficult to watch over these last couple of years for some with some of their struggles um yeah at times you know um but it's one of those things where 
or I've been through that that same struggle too, you know. So I try to try to reason and you know um, try to keep a positive mindset, I guess. But I try to watch every game. Um, I mean, I rock my U of A stuff everywhere. If if someone's wearing ASU something, I'm gonna start talking some some stuff to them, you know. I mean, <laughs> why not let them know, you know? So, um, but yeah, um, and I definitely think that that Grant's gonna definitely be one of the all time greats. I mean, I think he's gonna go in there and shatter a lot of those records that myself and Nick do have. Okay. So that, that leads me to a quick follow-up then. What do you think about Grant Gannell? Does he remind you of yourself in any way or is he different? He just reminds me of a, like a, of a true passer, you know? And I think that's something that Mazzoni and them that, 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 that fits their style of play, you know? And I, so I just think that it's a good fit um, with the OC and the QB. And whenever you have a good fit with that, then you're bound to have some good things happen. Parting thought here in listening to Willie talk. I mean, you're obviously you're still so into the game. You remember everything, you know, with almost a photographic memory. Have you ever thought about going into coaching? Um, I actually did coach. So um, when I was done at U of A, I went and played played arena ball for right two, three years. And um, when I was done with that, I moved to the Pasadena area and I was coaching high school for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I just needed a breather from it. Um, just going from playing straight to coaching, you know, like I never did anything else besides football. And um, so I just decided to step away two years ago now. Um, but I'm guaranteed I'm going to get back into it. It's one of those things where I'll never lose that competitive nature that that football brings. And I know I have a lot of knowledge and I would love to share it, you know, with with some kids. So. Well, we really appreciate it, Willie. You're you're awesome. Great to have you on the podcast. Love to do it again soon. A lot of great insight from the good old days of Arizona football, and uh, great great to have you, Willie Tuitama, former quarterback, University of Arizona, joining us here on Wildcat Country. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Really, a lot of fun talking to Willie Tuitama, and and one thing that. You know, I'll tell you guys, we we did what twenty some minutes with Willie, but he stayed on with us, and we were talking to him for almost another half an hour. You know, not recording, and just really cool guy, and really appreciate having him on the podcast. Hope to do so again soon. A lot of cool stories that we did not talk about uh, on this podcast that hopefully we have a chance to, including video game playing, which is uh, fun. Remember the old uh, video game, Shane? Were you a video game player? Are you talking about like Pac Man from? You know, no, 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 I'm talking games? about. NCAA football, you know the PlayStation oh, okay, Two. Okay, okay. No, I, I my my first my first video game console was an Intellivision Two in the early eighties. So I don't I go, even know what I, that is. I know I, most people don't. Most people don't. I had an Atari after that, and the Nintendo. But yeah. Before we sign off tonight, I want to ask you about ESPN. Put out a list of the top what is it? Top eighty newcomers in college basketball this season. Wildcats have four of them, but not one of the players that you would have put on there. Yeah, well, Kirk Carissa was an honorable mention, like a, like the next 10 on the list. But Arizona had four in the top 80, according to uh, ESPN's list here, uh, top 80 newcomers this year. James Akinjo being the top one, number 24 overall, the transfer from uh, from Georgetown. Uh, Jordan Brown, another transfer, is at number 33. And then you have uh, – I'm going to try to pronounce his first name here. Just give, mm-hmm. give me a second. Ajulis. Uh, Ajulis Tubelis. Okay, I'm going to let you do that and not me, so that's good. I'm going to, I'm going to let. Well, we have, we're going to have Jeff Dean on, the voice of uh, of Arizona basketball, and I'll let him pronounce it next time. But anyway, he's number 47 on the list. 
the the top uh, international guy on the list for Arizona. And then Terrell Brown, a yet another transfer uh, from Seattle. He's number 61. And then you have Kirk Creesa, who I love and I think is going to be the best player. You, you like your bold predictions, Eric. I think he's going to be the best player on Arizona's team this next season. He's in the next 10 on this list on ESPN.com. I will say, Shane, obviously I was really excited for last year's team with Nico and Josh Green and Zeke Naji, but I have to say this year's team, I'm really excited to watch them. This is a team that, you know, you you have no idea which guys are going to be good and which which guys, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to be that elite elite player and who's going to be your leading scorer. You know, Akinjo is a five-star coming out of high school going before he went to Georgetown. Jordan Brown was a five-star before he went to Nevada. So you have those guys. Plus, you know, you have Ira Lee, you have Jamal Baker coming back. But now you have, what, seven seven of these new freshmen, which is going to be fascinating to watch. What's the rotation going to look like? Who's going to be the star? I- I'm really excited. And, you know, I your, your guy that I can't even pronounce his name yet. Uh, you want to try that again? Give me give me that guy's name again. I do not want to try that again. Thank you. Tabellus. We're we'll going to go with us. Yeah. To, so we'll, we'll figure out his name as the season goes along. He was the best player to come out of Europe that was college eligible. So there are some high hopes there. Sean Miller has done a great job. And obviously we're going to talk a lot of basketball on this podcast uh, coming up here in the next few months. Shane, any final thoughts after this awesome podcast tonight? I tend to agree with you about the basketball team. I'm fascinated. Uh, expectations aren't that high, which I think is actually kind of nice. You know, it, this is not a, a typical recruiting class for Sean Miller, and there's a lot of new faces. So to me, if they're a top 25 team, I just kind of look at that as a bonus. I think this is a team that could be very good a season or two from now. Uh, they're going to be a smaller team, though. They're going to they have a lot of guards. Uh, not, not silly a bad thing, but they're going to look a little bit different than some of Sean Miller's other teams. But I'm fascinated to see what it's going to look like. I'm excited that we're going to have basketball back in just about a month as opposed to gen- in early January. Uh, so, And I'm excited to be able to talk basketball when it actually starts and talk about some games here soon. Will the Wildcats, as of right now, will they make the tournament this year? I think so. I think so. It, it, there's too much talent. Just by the odds, the odds are there's going to be at least two or three guys that are going to be be very good. Not maybe not all Pac-12, but very good. I think they'll they'll at least get into the tournament. Yeah, gonna be really exciting. Really looking forward to it. And uh, basketball and football season can't come soon enough. Want to thank Willie Tuitama once again for joining us tonight. Uh, what a lot of a lot of fun just to catch up with Willie and uh, you know some exciting guests and and discussion to come in the following weeks. So for my co-host Shane Dale, I am Eric Cohen, and as always, bear down. Bear down.